0: Good evening. I'd like to call this September 12, 2023 school board regular meeting to order. And we are at 1.02. And before we do the roll, I'd like someone to make a motion that we could have Dr. Dimmick join us this evening virtually. Yes, Ms. Silverman.
1: In accordance with policy BDD, the the chair moves to approve the participation of school board member Sue Dimick by remote access to the school board meeting due to a prior work commitment. Yes, thank you, Ms. Silverman. Could I have a second?
0: Thank you, Ms. Tice. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you, motion carries. So Dr. Dimick will be joining us virtually. And Ms. Goodell, could you please take the roll? Yes. Uh, Dr. Anderson. Here. Dr. Dimick is she on zoom not yet zoom not yet okay uh miss downs
2: here dr gould here dr ortiz here miss silverman here
0: and miss tice here thank you if you all could join me in saying the pledge of allegiance i
3: pledge allegiance to the flag of the united states of america and to the republic for which it stands one nation under god indivisible with liberty and justice
0: for all. Thank you. We're now at 1.05. If I could have a motion to adopt the agenda. Yes, Vice
4: Chair Gould. I move that the board adopt the agenda as presented.
0: Thank you. Could I have a second? second. Thank you, Dr. Anderson. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say No. Thank you. The uh, agenda is adopted. And we're now at 2.01 or 2.0, I guess 2.0 spotlight on Team FCCPS. And I'll turn it over to Dr. Noonan.
5: Thank you Chair Downs and good evening everybody. Um, it is my pleasure each and every year to give about a five minute overview of the beginning of the school year. Uh, very excited um, that we are off and, and running. Uh, hard to believe that we're in our fourth week and it's just a week after Labor Day. So we are uh, definitely taking advantage um, of the time that we have with our, with our kids. Um, and I would say on balance, it was uh, as, as I've spoken with staff and been out in the schools, uh, perhaps one of the best openings that we've had uh, in a long time and and one of the um, things that I, I wanted to share just quickly was as I was talking with people um, recently, principals actually, they were saying that, that everybody is much more in their words chill than they've been in the last several years. And I don't know if that's true, we've got some folks here tonight, they they might be able to speak to that but um, it does seem like things are, are moving along really well. So. Um, anyway, we, we started um, the year this uh, this summer, the end of the summer, um, welcoming some of our new staff um, and some of our new employees to our schools. And, and I wanted to make sure that you got a chance to see some of their uh, faces. There might be a few in the crowd, perhaps, uh, even, but uh, wanted to say uh, welcome to our Mount Daniel and Jesse Thackeray and Oak Street uh, new hires, uh, and thank William, um, Uh, Dr. Bates for his incredible work putting together the new teacher orientation along with his team uh, when they uh, when they arrived so they got a chance to spend several days before everybody else came to kind of get settled in if you will to uh, Falls Church City Public Schools have a chance to orient themselves um, and and learn a little bit before everybody else came Uh, we've got some new members also at Mary Ellen Henderson and a few at Meridian. And we typically, um, just for the, the good of the order, in case anyone was wondering, we usually um, have about 30 to 35 new staff every year. Uh, and that's about the number that we had uh, this year as well. So uh, really excited to to welcome some new members of the team. Um, but after uh, we got through new teacher orientation, we moved on to our annual convocation um, and want to thank again the Ed Foundation for their incredible support of our convocation. You'll note um, again this year that uh, we did um, get our shirts out to everybody in advance, so there was nice solidarity uh, with everyone wearing their nice new T-shirts. And uh, this year the Ed Foundation paid for an upgraded um, fabric, so everybody wears the shirts much more often now because they're very soft and very nice. Um, but thanking thanking them for that, um, isn't that right, Miss Stillwagoner? <laughs> you have yours on tonight, as a matter of fact. Um, so anyway, we we had a great convocation and a great kickoff, um, and really feel feel good about getting getting the year rolling. Um, So just a couple of pictures from some first days out there. Um, I I had a chance obviously uh, to get to all of the schools along with uh, Chair Downs and Vice Chair Gould uh, who attended along with some other folks. Um, but here are some of our, our youngest learners and our youngest friends at Jesse Thackeray. Um, and it was really great to see them um, all engaged and, and the kids were engaged too. Um, and as, as well as our school board members. No, I, that was a very bad joke, sorry about that. Um, but anyway, everybody was really engaged and it was really a lot of fun and, and it, was, it was great seeing everybody even just get on the floor and, and, and be around kids. Um, here we are at Mount Daniel. Um, I would say I, I had a conversation with a parent this afternoon whose uh, child goes to Mount Daniel and she said um, her son loves his, and she he calls it school job because I love my school job and he gets to go to school every day and is having a great time. And um, all the parents that I've had a chance to interact with in a one-on-one have all uh, shared that, Uh, their students are having a great time. Um, But here we are with some of our our, our next youngest learners uh, digging in and and enjoying. You'll note in in all of these slides, one of the most incredible things, I think, is the the richness of the color and um, the richness of print that you see in classrooms and how they're organized. Uh, In some cases, you don't even know where the front of the room is um, because it's uh, not a stand and deliver sort of model, particularly at elementary. Um, but I, I just love seeing these pictures and just seeing how how rich the experience is for the students that we're serving. Um, here we are at Oak Street. Um, and, and you see uh, the bus is picking up. This was, um, this was probably our most challenging opening uh, from a, a physical perspective because the, the front was, uh, as you may recall, sort of blocked off because the stairs were being redone and a new ADA ramp was going in. Um, but I'm happy to report that that is done. And those uh, stairs and the ADA ramp opened on Monday. And I want to thank Kristen Michael and her team for helping push that through. Um, but again, another example of our kids doing some really interesting things. And I think they're making a friendship uh, chain there in the, uh, the middle top picture. Um, but you'll note the kids are on the floor and they're on beanbag chairs. And again, just really colorful. Um, and the richness of the room is really incredible. Um, at Mary Ellen Henderson, um, you'll start to see um, some of our bigger kids. Uh, the Huskies got off to a great start as well. Um, and and I, I'm really excited to share um, that one of the best parts of the year so far has been um, the addition of Mr. Carey and sort of running between um, Mary Ellen Henderson and Meridian High School, working with a lot of our kids uh, on a lot of different things. And you don't see his picture here, um, but he, he has been uh, in between the two schools working with kids, Um, off and on throughout the year already and and really making a great impact. Um, But these are some just fun pictures from from Henderson. And then lastly, um, Meridian High School. Uh, Doesn't always look like a high school when you go there. um, There are kids all over the place, at least not a traditional high school that some of you might be familiar with um, if you were to walk in. But there are kids all over, um, working hard. You'll see in the first week or or so, kids were digging into labs already in science, um, having a great time in the cafeteria. And then we have a beautiful um, picture that was taken just yesterday on September 11th um, of an art installation by one of our really great students there on the north side of the high school. Um, And so uh, just wanted to share some of those pictures with you and see some of our kids in action. Um, Just a couple of uh, bits of information in terms of enrollment. Um, We are now at the point where all of our kids that would normally be dropped have been dropped for no-shows, and we're starting to get a better idea and a better sense of really where we are. Um, And so uh, you'll see the numbers um, on the far right column and how they uh, relate specifically to the projections in the second to right column, uh, and then in that um, third to right or fourth from the left column, the school year 22, 23, you'll see how it compares from year to year. Um, But at Thackeray we do have 71 students. We're projected at 70. We actually can grow there a little bit more. We've got some space um, before we need to, to hire another teacher, um, but, um, but not much. So we, we are really kind of trying to stick to around between 70 and 75 is a good number for us uh, at Mount Daniel Elementary School. Um, We've got a lot of our friends from there uh, here tonight. Um, we have 482 students, and that is a seven-student uh, variation with our projection over from what we expected and then also up from last year. Um, Oak Street, we have 558 students. We've got 39 more than projected, um, but about 28 more than we had this time last year. Uh, 616 at Henderson, um, and you can can do the math there, 596. Um, The closest uh, enrollment other than Thackeray is the high school, and right now we're at 896. uh, And last year we were at 889, uh, but only four over projection. But in the end, we are 71 um, students different from what we projected when we came in this time last year. Um, So what does that mean? Um, It means right now that um, there are a couple of things we are pushing up against. Um, One is some of the caps in some of the classrooms, Um, but we're not so big that we need new staff. Um, We do have a staffing reserve in the event that we do need to add more staff. But the 71 don't come in nice, neat little packages like 71 second graders or 71 eighth graders, or, 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 or um, those 71 are spread out. But you'll see the highest concentration is at Oak Street uh, and at Mary Ellen Henderson. Um, so, so that's that's thing one about what does that mean. The other thing is uh, for us is it it, it really helps us um, get a better handle on what next year might look like because with the 71 additional, and let me click onto the next screen, and it's like an eye test if you're watching at home, but the bottom right-hand corner shows that we're now 89 after we've dropped all of our no-shows, 89 um, over what we were uh, previously in, in last year, but 71 over projection. Uh, what that means is that um, we have a better handle now on kind of where we're headed for the future. Um, we're seeing a bounce back post-COVID. Um, we are a few students short of where we were before, um, before COVID, so we're seeing kids coming back to the public schools. Um, and we're also seeing growth in the community. Um, and there are a number of houses that have been, that have been torn down that are now yielding students. Um, We're seeing more high-density housing that's yielding students, Um, and so it'll be uh, fascinating and interesting for us, I think, over the course of the next year or so uh, to identify where um, many of our kids are coming from, particularly with um, Founders Row 2 that's going to open and then all the development at the high school as well. So I think we're on a path um, to to greater enrollment as we move forward, and I, I do think we've just got to begin preparing for that um, and sort of stealing up emotionally, I think, more than anything um, because with kids comes uh, the need for more teachers, and the need for more teachers means more money, um, and more money means a, a bigger conversation with our counterparts on city council and the city manager. So um, just wanted to to kind of foreshadow that a little bit as we head into already budget season, it seems like. Um, But we've had, um, not unlike every other year, uh, a number of bumps in the road, and I want to address just a couple of those. First is uh, there is a perception that our busing issues this year were worse than they have or have been. And the truth is we have had the same number of bus issues as we've had in the past. Um, There are a couple of things, though, that I think um, were more challenging this year with buses than we've experienced before. One is, is, as I think everybody here knows, um, at least on the dais, we did change the bus routes for a number of, uh, we change the bus routes every year, first of all. So if a student traditionally had been picked up the year before at one stop, that stop might change depending on um, the routes and and the like or the bus number might change. But the other change that we made was moving Jesse Thackeray to an earlier time slot so that we could have the high school kids stay a little bit, um, sleep a little bit more. Um, that has taken a little bit of time to sort of settle into. Um, the second thing is, um, and this was a first week issue, and, and it's something we have never seen quite the likes of before, and I may have mentioned it prior, but I apologize if i saying it again, but we had more parents this year that stop the bus for pictures of their kids getting on and getting off than we've ever had before. Uh, and I don't know if that's because, you know, cell phone, you know, pictures are just that much easier. Um, but we had a real problem with buses being late the first week of school. Um, because some of them were held up at their stops, which normally would take about one minute for up to five or six minutes so everybody could get their picture. Um, So that was thing two. And thing three was um, we're still dealing with quite a bit of construction through the city. Um, But we have settled out, I think, the vast majority of issues um, that we were facing with buses and the sum total of of the, the challenges with busing are about the equivalent of what they've been the past couple of years. Um, I also uh, want to address the issue um, at Oak Street Elementary that Kareem, um, Ms. Dougherty has uh, mentioned prior uh, in her email to the community as well and that is that um, there was an error in scheduling in the advanced academic uh, program and she has owned that. Uh, we all know that that's not best practice. Uh, we also recognize that uh, it's not who we are as a school division and, and it's regretful that it happened. Uh, but at this point um, we are we're rolling with it because it would be much more disruptive at this point to um, change everybody's schedules. Uh, and and give them new teachers now that we've all been through the first couple of weeks of school. Um, This wasn't realized until late in the game, Um, but again, I think Ms. Doherty has done a great job of of owning that issue, Um, and I'll be um, working very closely with her along with our Chief Academic Officer, uh, William Bates, to make sure that that doesn't happen again next year. Uh, And in the meantime, we are providing a significant number of resources um, to all of the classes across Oak Street to make sure that there's good high quality instruction in all of our classes, including the two uh, that are uh, currently staffed with long term subs and both of those long term subs are excellent. In fact, uh, both of them are uh, highly coll- college-educated. Um, one of them has a degree in education, and other's a, a lawyer, um, and and uh, does a really great job. So we are we're excited to have them in there, and also being supported by our specialists in the building um, for part of the day as well. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to address, and this is also sort of a, a myth out there, I think um, that I've been hearing through the, the the rumor mill is that um, class sizes are disparate um, among classes at Oak Street and uh, after speaking with uh, Ms. Dougherty today, um, all of our classes are 24 or 25. There's not one class that's 15 or um, classes that are super small except for those that are specifically intended to be that small. For, for example, some of our special ed classes or some of our ESOL classes. But there was some lore out there that Uh, For example, the gifted um, clusters were smaller than everybody else's classes, and that isn't the case at all. Uh, and so I'd like to dispel that myth, myth here. But um, really excited. I, I have to say I'm really excited for the year and ready to just, like, move forward and um, get off to a start and settle in. Um, we're almost halfway through the first quarter, which is really hard to believe, um, and uh, and I'd like to let our, our teachers teach and uh, our principal's principal and, um, and us get our work done and, and look forward to... A, to a, a happy fall. So thanks for that. And uh, with that, I'll turn it back to you, Madam Chair.
0: Thank you, Dr. Noon. I was noting on the uh, enrollment slide, just to, in case people are wondering, there's there was, looks like there was a big decrease um, from freshman to sophomore year, but that was the big class, right? The big class that... So it's, it's little It's it's, it's,
5: it's always interesting when yeah. when you look at these numbers because it does look like, for example, Oak Street Elementary has gone way up, but we also had a large group of kids from Mount Daniel that moved up. Mm-hmm. So so these cohorts move, and it does look funny once in a while. So, but you're right, um, there is there was a large group of kids that moved on. Um, I
0: think that that big class it's that is that one class. Now, it's like right? the, yeah. I,
5: don't, I, I think the analogy has been it's like the the the. the mouse through the state, you know, it's kind of making its way through, but um, it's going to be a big, it's going to be a big graduation in a couple of years. It
0: will be. be. Well, thank you very much. I know that the beginning of the school year is, for every system, um, is challenging for a variety of reasons, much less when we have 71 over projection and 89 more than last year. And so uh, you know, just thank you to you and your staff for doing um, the best that you all can with, with having bigger numbers than, than we expected. Any questions or comments from anyone on the board?
6: Yes, Dr. Ortiz. So this being the fall, uh, Dr. Noonan, this is the beginning, of course, of budget season. And part one big part of the budget is um, developing the projections. So um, could you tell a little bit about how you're going to um, kind of unravel where um, some of the projections didn't quite meet the mark so that we can be a little bit more accurate in the next year?
5: Um, I'm happy to report that we have actually hired in combination with the um, general government, a demographer, and we actually have the Stephen Fuller Institute that has decided, not decided, but they were selected through an RFP process to help us with some demographic studies of the this, of this, uh, city. So we should have a much better sense of where, where we're going to be. Um, we, as you may recall, sort of the process that we use in the past is we do use Weldon Cooper Center, had used Weldon Cooper Center, and we still will um, to some degree, Uh, from the University of Virginia for our projections. And they are the group that actually does um, the projections for state funding and and everything else. And so um, we do share with them sort of what our new construction looks like, what's coming online, what potentially will be done, et cetera. Um, And and last year, we, we were given three different options, sort of a low option, a medium option, and a high option. And not knowing exactly where we were relative to the bounce back post-COVID, but knowing that the year before we had seen a bounce, we did, we did take a more conservative approach this year with the numbers uh, and in the end ended up with a whole lot more kids than we uh, anticipated. We always do the um, student by dwelling um, uh, student by dwelling report each year, so we'll be getting that soon uh, to give us a sense of where kids are coming out of, whether it's single family homes, whether it's apartments, um, garden apartments, townhomes, et cetera, and that'll that'll also inform us.
0: Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Any other questions or comments? I can come. Yes, yeah. uh,
4: that's your goal. uh The uh, the bus issues. Uh, one of the issues that, that I think that some of the community asked about was also the renaming of the buses in terms of the routes a week after school started, and just curious about uh, why that why that happened a week into school, and it, was there something that pushed that to do
5: that then? Yeah, I'm actually going to let um, Ms. Michael take that one as our chief operating officer. So thank,
2: thank you for that question. Our buses, in lieu of using the bus number, we use a different naming convention that's based on the students. So at Mount Daniel, for example, all the buses have colors because the assumption is when kids are first coming to kindergarten, they may not know all of their letters, but they'll likely know all of their colors. So Mount Daniel uses colors. At the high school, they use letters. And what happened is we've always used letters at Oak Street as well, and we had students the first day say it was confusing to see the high school letter and to see the Oak Street letter, and they weren't the same. So in order to avoid it and to help us with radio traffic, we stuck with colors for Mount Daniel, Oak Street has numbers, and then the secondary campus has letters. So that way, hopefully, if the tag is on there for the high school bus run, and then the Oak Street student gets on the bus, they're not confused by there previously being two letters. So we started the year with having an A bus at Oak Street and an A bus at the secondary campus. And then in terms of radio traffic, so helping the transportation um, director and her staff manage the buses and manage the radio traffic, it was easier to have the separate numbers and letters.
4: I always appreciate when my daughter's uh, K bus in Oak Street and her driver was Mr. K. So we always thought that you had to have the same name as your, your bus. Um, and I appreciate the discussion of the issues, Dr. Noon. I think, obviously, um, you know, there's a lot to celebrate with the beginning of the year. I think there's a lot. I, at Convocation, I think we all noticed there was a different uh, chemistry in the air about how school was starting compared to last year and, obviously, the year before. So I think it's exciting, even though we know we're not... Fully out of from 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 some of the the, the challenges of COVID, um, we're definitely a big step forward. Um, I also appreciate the openness about some of the issues and discussing these, um, especially with the community. I think Ms. Dougherty speaking specifically of the Oak Street issues. I think it's uh, admirable that she continues to own this and she continues to engage with the community, such as um, with the coffee on Friday. I think I I, I think this issue is still going to be in the hearts and the minds of a lot of people that had to go through that. I think, as we all know on the board, we've been dealing with the gifted issue for over a year prior to that, and so to have the issues that cropped up when they did, Friday of, of the Meet the Teacher was challenging for all of us to experience when we were told a different story. So I think I want to applaud Ms. Doherty to continue those conversations, engage with the community. Um, I think the last comment I'd have is just about we are a small community. I think the, the concept of, you know, the, the rumor mill or the lore or things like that, unfortunately, some of those rumors did come true. Um, and that was the rumors that we thought were in June or July or May, and they did come true in terms of how the gifted classes were assigned. So I would also just continue to encourage this board, the administration, your staff, to continue to engage with the community as well as the community to continue to have honest conversations. Because that's the only way we're going to kind of come through these issues, help each other go through these issues. And I applaud everybody who's keeping an open ear on this. So.
0: Thank you, Vice Chair. Ms. Silverman. Silverman.
1: Um, everything that uh vice chair gould said but i also just wanted to um add a, a, with a question to dr noonan just how are we I, I know that Ms. Dougherty has already stated this was a mistake and she has owned it and it's not going to happen again do we have any safeguards in place anything we can do just to reassure the community that this this in fact won't happen again that it's not something that any of us are happy with i i, I don't want to speak for the board but i i believe that's the sense of the board. Um, Dr. Noonan, I know we've spoken that you're not happy with how things played out. Um, so just some reassurance to the community that, that safeguards are in place that it won't happen again.
5: Sure. I, I think um, one of the big assurances is that we're going to continue to expand the teachers that are trained in advanced academics. And we're actually um, going to incentivize it um, so that teachers will get a stipend for continuing to get there. Um, you know, continuing in their own professional development and in their advanced degrees, and can move on the salary lane if they get enough credit, and the like. So, um, so one, our, our goal ultimately has been all along to get everyone at Oak Street trained in advanced academics. Um, so once that is done, it it won't matter which student gets which teacher; um, they'll all be trained in that in that model. Um, but in terms of what happened this year, as I indicated, you know. Um, Chief Academic o- Officer Dr. Bates and myself um, will be working very closely with Ms. Dougherty, um and and checking and double-checking to make sure that uh, the clusters, the way that they worked this year, don't happen again. Uh, it's a matter of equity for us, too, um, and I think we all agree to that, uh, agree that there's an issue there, and... and uh, we're, we're going to make sure it doesn't happen again. I, you know, I don't know what else to tell you, except that we'll be right there uh, by your side, making sure that um, our our classrooms are as diverse as possible.
1: Chair. Sure. If I could just add, um, thank you for that. I, I really appreciate just that. And yes, you have stated it, but just that reiteration of that. Um, and also, just for everyone's knowledge, this purely would be just an Oak Street situation because um, because of how the gifted program works and how children are identified. So the oversight at Oak Street, I, I believe, is where it's needed and, and not necessarily the other schools just based on how the program works. Is that correct?
5: Yeah, and I think it's the oversight of those placements that um, was the miss. I, I don't, uh, you know, Miss Daugherty is an experienced principal who does extraordinary work and has in her past division um, at nine years of being a principal, and, and we want to support her uh, as, as best we can. Um, there was that one there was the one miss there in terms of oversight and, uh, and we're, we're working together to make sure that it doesn't happen.
0: Thank you so much. <coughs> thank you, Ms Silverman. Thank you, Dr. Newton. Any other questions or comments? Okay, well, thank you again, and uh, hard to believe we're already halfway through the first quarter. My children are upset that grades are starting to come in now. They like that little honeymoon period where there's no grades. Uh, okay, we're at 3.01. And this, we, this month, we're um, acknowledging two different um, populations. And we're going to start with our um, Hispanic Heritage Month. I'm going to read that into the record, and then we'll vote, we'll vote that into the record. All right. This is Falls Church City Public School Board Resolution Resolution 19-23 2023 Hispanic Heritage Month. Whereas September 15th through October 15th is recognized as Hispanic Heritage Month, and whereas Falls Church City Public Schools are committed to recognizing and celebrating the diverse cultures represented in our community, staff, and students, and whereas there are more than 62 million Hispanic Americans living in the United States, and whereas over 1,500 community members in Falls Church identify as Hispanic, and whereas the first Hispanic Heritage Week was celebrated in 1968 by President Lyndon Johnson, and later expanded to a month by President Ronald Reagan, and whereas Hispanic Heritage Month begins on September 15th because it marks the anniversary of independence for five Hispanic nations, Costa Rica, El Salvador, Honduras, Guatemala, and Nicaragua and whereas celebrating Hispanic Heritage Month is one way that we can honor the many contributions of Hispanic Americans to our schools, our community, and our nation. Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Falls Church City School Board does hereby proclaim September 15th through October 15th, 2023 as Hispanic Heritage Month in Falls Church City Public Schools and urges all to respect and honor our diverse community and celebrate and build a culture of inclusivity and equity. Okay, if I could have a motion to adopt this resolution, please. Yes, Dr.
6: Ortiz. I move that the school board adopt a resolution 19-23, Hispanic Heritage Month, as presented. Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. May I have a second?
0: Thank you, Dr. Anderson. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say No. Thank you. Motion carries. And we're now at re, uh, 3.02. And this resolution is pertaining to the Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. And Dr. Uh, Gould, could you read that into the record, please?
4: Yes, for resolution 20-23. <coughs> Recognizing suicide is a serious public health problem and expressing support for the designation of September as National Suicide Prevention Month. Whereas suicide is among the top nine leading causes of death among people aged 10 through 64 in the United States. And whereas lesbian, gay, and bisexual youth are nearly four times more likely to attempt suicide than straight youth. And whereas transgender adults are nearly nine times more likely to attempt suicide than the general population. And whereas it is estimated that there are approximately 1.4 million suicide attempts each year in the United States, and more than 47,500 Americans die by suicide each year. And whereas more than half of individuals who die by suicide did not have a known mental health condition. And whereas, according to the CDC, many factors contribute to suicide among individuals with and without known mental health conditions, including challenges related to relationships, substance abuse, physical health, and stress regarding work, money, legal problems, or housing. And whereas the stigma associated with mental health conditions and suicidality hinders suicide prevention by discouraging at risk individuals from seeking life saving help and can further traumatize survivors of suicide loss and individuals with lived experience of suicide. And now therefore, be it resolved that the Falls Church City School Board recognizes suicide as a serious and preventable public health problem and supports the designation of the month of September 2023 as National Suicide Prevention Month.
0: Thank you, Vice Chair Gould. Could I have a motion, please, to adopt this resolution? Yes, Dr. Anderson.
7: I move that the school board adopt resolution 20-23, Suicide Prevention Awareness Month, as presented.
0: Thank you. May I have a second? Thank you, Ms. Silverman. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. And we're now at 4.01, public comments and requests. In accordance with school board policy BDDH, the time for each speaker is limited to three minutes and additional written statements may be submitted to the clerk for dissemination to the board members and for the record. And we have quite a few speakers this evening, so I will call you uh, each up to the podium in the order that uh, you submitted your speaker slip. All right, we first have uh, Ms. Laura McNamara.
8: Testing, testing, okay. Um, Good evening. My name is Laura McNamara and I live at 801 Ridge Place, and I'm also a kindergarten teacher at Mount Daniel. After watching the last work session and the meetings from last year, which addressed early release Wednesdays, I feel inclined to respond to some of the questions that have been raised. First, however, Um, I'd like to extend my sincere gratitude um, to the board for your dedication to our school students and staff and in particular for passing six weeks of paid family leave, yay. Um, I'm speaking to you tonight wearing both my teacher hat and my parent who will have to figure out childcare hat um, because my own child will be attending Mount Daniel next year. With my teacher hat on, I'll simply say that the time provided for professional development and collaboration on early release Wednesdays is invaluable. And I'm I'm sure you have heard and will continue to hear from my colleagues about the multitude of ways that this time strengthens our ability to educate our students. If we're comparing the educational benefit of those two and a half hours, I can tell you with a great deal of authority that using that time for professional development and collaboration has a greater positive impact on our students than if it was used as additional instructional time. In other words, and to answer Mr. Anderson's question from the last work session, our students get a lot of juice out of the squeeze. The other point that I'll mention with my teacher head on is that throughout the discussion at the most recent work session, there was no mention of needing to extend our Wednesdays because our students are in need of more instructional time. Among other things, there were some questions about the pedagogical reasons for Early Release Wednesdays, as well as discussion about childcare issues. There was, however, no discussion about how the education of our students would benefit from reducing Early Release Wednesdays. Instead, it seemed to keep circling back to childcare. So now I put on my parent hat. Ms. Silverman has made the very valid point that there are inadequate child care options on early release Wednesdays, and I completely agree. I'll have to figure out child care for my own son next year, and I understand that this might turn into somewhat of a scramble. What I hope that we can do... What I hope that we can all collectively recognize is that we as a community can and should have a conversation about childcare. My plea to you is that we address the very real issue of childcare without taking something away that benefits our staff and students so greatly. And on a very personal note, Ms. Downs was correct in her comments about this also being a workforce issue. I love teaching, and I love teaching in FCCPS, and being a teacher is hard. Some of us feel like we're hanging on by a thread sometimes. And so I ask you from a very personal standpoint not to take something away that enables us to do this beautiful, messy, and consuming job with just a tiny bit more
0: ease. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. McNamara. Our next speaker is Gail Botner.
2: Good
9: evening, Madam Chair Downs and the school board. My name is Gail Bodner, and I'm here this evening on behalf of the second grade team at Mount Daniel. I wanna start by expressing our appreciation for your dedication to our school system. Like you, we are dedicated professionals who want the best for this unique school system and our amazing students. We are writing this letter in response to the school board's continuing conversation about potentially eliminating or reducing early release Wednesdays at the elementary schools. We appreciate the opportunity to give more context about this proposed decision and how it would affect how our school system currently functions. We appreciate your continued um, effort to fully investigate the effect of this proposed change from all involved parties. As teachers, we want to start by clarifying a statement made in a prior school board meeting that said elementary school teachers have 90 minutes of prep time per day. Although, in theory, it looks like classroom teachers were given more planning time last year, the amount of meetings has also increased for classroom teachers. At Mount Daniel, we have at least one 90-minute curriculum-focused meeting per week. These meetings have set agendas and are not instructional prep time. An accurate statement would be that we have one uninterrupted 90-minute block of time per week for lesson planning and preparation. At present, our short Wednesday time is valuable for us to continue to complete certain school operations which fall under the umbrella of professional development. Finally, one of the points we have heard about our current schedule is that the shorter days are doing a disservice to our students. We would like to respectfully disagree with this statement as data consistently shows that the students and the district are excelling academically. We believe that this excellence starts with a strong appreciation for a healthy school and personal life balance. The foundation for the IB curriculum is the IB Learner Profile. The IB Learner Profile describes a broad range of human capacities and responsibilities that go beyond academic success. One of our ten IB Learner Profile traits is being balanced. Balanced learners understand the importance of intellectual, physical, and emotional balance to achieve personal well-being for themselves and others. Having short Wednesdays allows young learners to pursue interests outside of our mandated curriculum and provides important time for them to socialize with their peers and enjoy life before the mounting pressure of high-stakes academia. We believe the short Wednesday schedule sets our students up for success by finding joy in their budding academic careers by practicing balance, establishing strong social connections, and allowing them time to be a kid in a fast-moving world. We often hear children talking about enjoying play dates, ballet class, piano lessons and other niche events scheduled on short Wednesday afternoons. In conclusion, it is our (coughs) firm belief that it is in the best interest of our school system and most importantly our students to keep early release Wednesdays. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Ms. Bodner. Our next speaker is Teresa Caravelli.
10: Chairwoman Downs, School Board members, Superintendent Noonan, teachers, staff, parents, and members of the community, thank you for allowing me to speak today regarding the Oak Street class placement strategy for the school year. Two weeks ago, Oak Street Elementary provided a written response that acknowledged misjudgment and its class placement strategy. The school prioritized the placement of students in the gifted and talented program by grouping them into three classes with teachers who recently received additional training. Thus. The school broke from its prior practice of utilizing small academic groups of five to seven students. This decision is being felt hardest in the fourth grade classrooms, where two classes of students who are not identified as gifted are being led by long-term substitutes. I thank you for your transparency and recognizing our concerns. I appreciate your help in finding ways to increase heterogeneous groupings throughout the day. I also sincerely thank you for helping to reallocate resources to better support students in other classrooms. However, there was still work to be done. I'm speaking on behalf of 65 constituents who signed onto a letter for the school board record. We believe the Falls Church public school system must memorialize its commitment to heterogeneous classrooms in a formal, transparent class placement policy. In June, not too late in the game, numerous parents heard that Oak Street was dedicated to maintaining small clusters in its implementation of the new gifted program. We were told classrooms would not be divided by perceived academic ability, and yet, they were. Thus, we can only move forward from this era by ensuring through policy, not promises, that it will never happen again. We also asked the board to consider implementing a new advisory committee focused on the interests of all students. The current advisory boards are all dedicated to the issues of a specific population group, such as the gifted, special education, and English as a second language. What's missing is a board that can hol- look holistically across the school population to ensure that staffing and resources are being divided equitably and fairly within the constraints of the law. This board could also examine school practices and policies to identify opportunity gaps and develop plans to address them. We thank you for considering this proposal and giving us the platform to share our concerns, and we thank you for your dedication to our students and ensuring educational equity in our, in our school system.
0: Thank you, Ms. Caravelli. Our next speaker is Elizabeth Wilcox.
11: Good evening. Um, I'm Elizabeth Wilcox, 216 Great Fall Street. Uh, Superintendent Noonan, Chairwoman Downs, school board members, teachers, parents, and members of the community. Thank you for allowing me to speak today regarding Oak Oak Street's new class placement strategy implemented this year. Let me introduce you to the fourth grade class. These students were in kindergarten when school was closed because of the COVID pandemic. The better part of first grade was virtual and maybe back to school for about the last month of that school year. Second grade started off with masks, but this was their re-emergence into the classroom setting, learning everything new again. Third grade was their first normal year, and even that's up for debate if you ask uh, certain, certain parents in this, in this grade. Elementary school is the foundation of education. The gap that develops in these primary years are almost never normalized. Separating students in their classrooms by label, AAP, IEP, ESOL, can have multiple grade level impacts on a child which carries over into the middle, high school, and beyond. And here we are at fourth grade. Classrooms are divided. The AEP group were assigned the most qualified and credentialed teachers, while IEP kids who have the most need were given long-term, uncredentialed substitutes. The bigger issue is that kids who are struggling often are kids who are from lower socioeconomic status families, and there tends to be a high correlation between race and socioeconomic status. And so tracking on skill level ends up looking like segregated classrooms. By upper elementary years, not only are these kids intelligent, but they're also aware. They identify with and internalize being in the smart class or the dumb class. And yes, those have been spoken this year. Students who are placed in low performing classes or with unlicensed teachers may start to believe that they're not worthy or capable of doing well in school. This can have a negative impact on their self-esteem and their ability to learn. There is still more that needs to be done this year to course correct and minimize the stigma of what these kids know about each other. And while I appreciate that the principal has taken responsibility for class placements, collaborative lessons is a first step, but it doesn't solve the problem. At the end of the day, the kids go back to their respective classrooms, AAP, IEP, and ESOL, where the average student is an afterthought rounding out those classrooms. It's not okay to ignore the barriers that the administration has put between kids from a social, racial, and academic perspective. The administration is telling these kids to wait another year to fix this inequality. They don't have a year to wait. As a person of color, I find it deeply disturbing that the administration and the school board is allowing a whole year of reinforcing these barriers and endorsing them barriers that have no place in public elementary schools. Thank you. Thank
0: you, Ms. Wilcox.
11: Okay, our next speaker is uh, Sarah
12: Rogers. Chair Downs, Superintendent Noonan, school board members, teachers, staff, parents, members of the community, thank you for allowing me to speak today. In recent weeks, the principal at Oak Street Elementary apologized for mistakes the district made in prioritizing children with the gifted and talented label for classrooms with highly qualified teachers, while many children without such labels were placed into classrooms with substitute and part-time teachers. I am grateful to the principal and the board for acknowledging that this prioritization of gifted labeled children above all other children was wrong. There should be no second class citizens in our school system. I'm speaking today about a related issue. I have recently learned more about the process for qualifying for gifted and talented services in this school district. As far as I can tell, this decision is largely based on a test children take in second grade. My understanding is that Kumon Learning Centers, the Russian Math School, and many other private tutors in the area have thriving coaching businesses prepping false church children for the second grade gifted and talented assessment. While many parents in the Falls Church community have the time and resources to ensure their children are not seeing these tests for the first time on test-taking day, many parents do not. And for some of us, we would never have dreamed that one test one day in second grade would dictate whether or not our children would be assigned to a classroom with a credentialed teacher what we as a society have learned about standardized tests is that high-stakes tests like the SAT, the COGAT, and other such aptitude tests can be gamed by well-meaning tutors. And as a result, these kinds of tests are sometimes not as much an assessment of a child's cognitive abilities as they are of a family's resources. This inequity is why many universities no longer accept the SAT and why I think our district's reliance on a standardized test score taken on a random day in second grade should not be determinative for who gets advanced academic support, especially when this year the gifted and talented label meant the difference between a student being assigned to a credentialed teacher or a substitute. Another troubling issue is that here in our little city, many families who moved here after second grade have children who were never even assessed for gifted services. The gifted and talented program is lacking equal opportunity when new families do not have the same access to services that children who tested in second grade have. I propose that the board partner with an educational consultant or the Department of Education to conduct an equity audit that focuses on Falls Church's gifted and talented program to assess who is benefiting from these services and who is being excluded. These auditors, if they are equity focused, could also assess the distribution of resources at Oak Street Elementary to try to right some of the wrongs that were enacted this year. While I am glad that the district acknowledges mistakes, I'm hopeful an outside consultant can help propose some solutions. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Rogers.
0: Our next speaker is Elizabeth Somerville. Good
13: evening. Thank you for allowing me to speak. I am the mother of two children, uh, one at Mount Daniel and a fourth grader at Oak Street. Um, First I want to address the letter that a group of 65 parents sent to you regarding the class placements and homogenous clustering of AAP or gifted students. I appreciate the school's acknowledgement and apology and would like to ensure that this does not happen again and that going forward there is greater transparency, communication and accountability at all levels. Specifically, I'd like to ask for a plan to address these challenges for this year. Second, I'd like to ask for increased communications around the gifted program. The identification, criteria, testing, placement. and and the class placement policy overall. Parents need more clarity to understand the program and information is not readily shared or easily understood. This needs significant improvement. Third, I'd like to ask for greater oversight and accountability across the division and the board. It's clear that gifted students have real needs that need to be met. We wanna make sure that all students have their needs met in the most optimal way possible. It's clear that this did not happen. It's clear that this should not have happened this year, and we want to ensure that greater transparency and accountability ensure that it does not happen again. Second, I would like to address early release and the school schedule. It's very true that early release provides critical professional development and time for teachers. It's also true that the early release places a a burden on working families that I believe is inequitable. How can we be creative to best support both groups? Can we increase the daycare on Wednesdays only? Can we shift to full-day professional development days with increased parks and rec programs? And finally, for the start and end times, I under, understanding that the Mount Daniel adjacent residents take issue, could we look at creative solutions, perhaps allowing Fairfax County residents in that area to attend our schools with reciprocity, for example, to Fairfax County for special ed, AAP, or athletics. Let's work together to create solutions with the greatest benefit for all. I want to sincerely thank each and every one of you across the board, Dr. Noonan, the administration, Ms. Dougherty, and all of the faculty and staff. I really do
0: believe that you change lives. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Somerville. Our next speaker is Lauren Thomas.
14: Good evening, hello Dr. Noonan, members of the school board um, and to everyone here. Uh, I will just introduce myself. I'm a mother to a second grader and a fourth grader. I'm a teacher at a local independent school. I've taught grades one through six and I've been at a PYP school in my career for five years. I'm also um, grateful to some of these women behind me for having taught my children uh, with excellence and professionalism and dedication. I wear my teacher hat tonight. I wanna focus my comments uh, as they relate to the advanced enrichment placement uh, around pedagogy and practice. There's a lot of beauty and magic in our schools that I don't think we always know about or see Um, And this relates to me uh, to this question of equity, this important concept of equity. Equity is not giving everyone the same, right? Equity is giving children what they need. And I suspect that if more families felt their children's needs were being met in the heterogeneous mainstream classes, there wouldn't be such a push to have the enrichment status to go through that process. Well, how do we do this? It's great to hear about increased resources, training for teachers, and interested in getting the certification for advanced academics. I'd also like to make a plug for good old differentiation, a concept that is well entrenched in all of the independent schools I've taught at, and I think is present in our community. What are we doing to make sure across the lower divisions that things like differentiated reading groups, word study groups, math workshop, that that is consistently done with fidelity across the lower divisions. I suspect that my own fourth grader last year spent more time sitting, taking reading tests than actually engaging in reading groups. And that's an imbalance that I think we can correct. The PYP lends itself so beautifully to differentiation. Inquiry, the concept of inquiry, where the student is at the center of their learning, they're driving their learning, offers them choice, gives opportunities for projects with outcomes that involve them taking action, there's self-reflection, there's authentic feedback that teachers are giving students, All of these facets of the learning profile lend themselves so beautifully to differentiation. Kids getting stimulated, met where they are, move forward. So um, this is is my plug tonight. Let's apply to all classrooms the best of what's happening in our schools and additionally give uh, teachers the support that they need to be able to do these differentiated groups. You heard from my um, friend here tonight, this class of fourth graders came back after a very challenging time. It still boggles my mind. There were no paraprofessionals in those second grade classes when they came onto campus. They've struggled. Um, keep our class sizes small,
0: differentiate. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Thomas. Okay, and our final speaker this evening is Phyllis Kravinsky.
15: Done. <laughs> Good evening. My name is Phyllis Kravinsky, and I live at 215 West Columbia Street in Falls Church. I'm also the reading specialist at Mount Daniel, and I'm here tonight to express my support for retaining our current early release Wednesday schedule. My primary job at Mount Daniel is providing reading intervention support for students that need extra time. I see about seven to eight groups of students each day. And in addition, I try to support teachers with their language arts instruction. Since my school days are full, interacting directly with students, the only real opportunity I had to to provide professional development to teachers is on early release Wednesdays. This time will become even more valuable as we enter the 2024-2025 school year. In 2022, the Virginia General Assembly passed the Virginia Literacy Act, or VLA. The act requires all school divisions in Virginia to adopt new evidence-based literacy curriculums and screening assessments for grades K to 3 beginning in the next school year. There are many components to the legislation, but I only have three minutes, so I won't go through it all. But the most sort of significant requirement for us in terms of professional development is that we are required to align our literacy instructional practices with cognitive, educational, and linguistic science. This is welcome and important legislation. We at Mount Daniel have been shifting our instruction in this direction over the past several years. But 2024 will be a big lift. We will be using new literacy screening tools that will require training and we will be adopting a new core literacy program and implementing it. Teachers cannot be expected to implement these changes without time for training and collaboration with their teams and the reading specialists. Real change happens when training and collaboration are ongoing. This takes time, which is what our early release Wednesdays provide us. I am very excited about the changes VLA will bring, but I am worried about how we can translate all of those changes into meaningful results for all of our students, because that is the goal of the VLA, is equitable literacy instruction for all of our students. If we lose the professional development time we currently have on Early Release Wednesdays. I'm happy to chat with anyone who'd like to know more details about VLA or foundational literacy in general. I feel passionate about both. Thank you so much for listening and for your tireless support of our schools.
0: Thank you, Ms. Kravinsky.
15: That concludes our speakers for this evening.
0: I wanted to thank everyone for coming this evening and sharing your evening with us. I know your time is precious and your feedback and um, suggestions and and comments uh, help inform our work. So thank you again for coming this evening. Okay, we're at 5.01. Brad, we're going to read our, uh, if we could have someone read us into close. And Dr. Dimmick's on Zoom, so Dr. Dimick, you'll have to do it next time. Yes, Vice Chair Gould.
4: Pursuant to the Virginia Freedom of Information Act, I move that the board convene a closed meeting for the following purpose, to discuss or consider the identified subject matter, personnel under Section 2.2-3711A1, in particular, Staff appointments, staff reassignments, staff resignations, staff retirements, staff performance, staff change in position, staff separation, dependent care leave, long term medical leave, child care leave requests, and leave of absence, and advisory committee appointments and student matters under section 2.2 3711A2, in particular, a non resident tuition student and the disciplinary matters of a student.
0: Thank you, Dr. Gould. Could I have a second, please? Thank you, Dr. Anderson. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. And Dr. Noonan, we're thinking about 20 minutes or so, maybe?
5: Maybe a little longer tonight. A lo- little longer. Um, okay. We've got a student matter to take okay. up.
0: So maybe about 25 minutes. Thank you. Okay. Welcome back. We are at 5.03. If someone could make a motion to reconvene to open. Dr. Anderson.
7: I move that the board reconvene to open meeting.
0: Thank you. Could I have a second? Thank you, Ms. Silverman. All those in favor say yes. 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 All those opposed say no.
4: Chair Downs. Yes. Uh, uh, Is Dr. Demick available? She's texting. Can she hear us?
0: Oh, to certify the closed meeting?
4: No, no. She just texted She. Can she hear us?
0: Can you hear us? Okay. 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 (laughs) <laughs> that you, you were saying, Okay. We're at 6.01. Does someone want to certify the closed meeting? Yes, Dr. Anderson.
7: Whereas the Falls Church City School Board has convened a closed meeting on this date pursuant to an affirmative recorded vote and in accordance with the provisions of the Virginia Freedom of Information Act, and whereas Section 2.2-3711B of the Code of Virginia requires a certification by this school board that such closed meeting was conducted in conformity with Virginia law, now, therefore, be it resolved that the Falls Church City School Board hereby certifies that, to the best of each member's knowledge, only public business matters lawfully exempted from open meeting requirement by Virginia law were discussed in the closed meeting to which this certification applies, and only such public business matters were, as, as were identified in the motion convening the closed meeting, were heard, discussed, and considered.
0: Thank you, Dr. Anderson. May I have a second? Second. Thank you, Vice Chair Gold. Ms. Goodell, could you please take the roll?
6: Dr. Anderson?
0: Yes. Dr. Timbuk? Yes. She said yes. She said yes. Okay, thank you. Uh, Ms. Downs? Yes. Dr. Gould? Yes. Dr. Ortiz? Yes. Ms. Silverman? Yes. And Ms. Tice? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So looking at the consent agenda, we've got personnel items, advisory committee appointments, student matters, SAO annual filings, And I'd like to ask for unanimous consent. We're at 7.05 to approve the consent agenda, as presented. And hearing no objections, the consent agenda is approved. We're now at 8.01 approval of water authority easement, and I'll shoot it right over to Ms. Minson. Good evening. The easement before the board this morning is for um, the Fairfax
3: County Water Authority deed of easement that would benefit the converged property um, that is just on the other side of Mustang Alley. This was presented to the board um, at the August 8th school board meeting and reviewed by outside council at the August 22nd work session and welcome any questions about this Fairfax County Water Authority deed of easement and quick claim.
0: Any questions? I think I know people have had some questions. I think everything's been answered at this point. Okay. Uh, If I could have a motion to approve this easement, we're at 8.01. Yes, uh, Ms. Tice. I move that the school board authorize the school board chair to sign the Fairfax County
14: Water Authority deed of easement and quick claim between the Falls Church City School Board and Fairfax County Water Authority as presented, subject to changes approved by the superintendent that do not materially adversely
0: affect the school board's position. Thank you, Ms. Tice. May I have a second? Thank you, Vice Chair Gould. All those in favor say yes. 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 All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. And back over to Ms. Minson with approval of easements with Converge West Falls LLC.
3: Thank you. There are two easements on this action item, 8.02. Both relate to... Um, the land that is just on the other side of Mustang Alley. The first is a deed of easement and agreement that does include the aerial easement that the board has heard discussed at the past two meetings, a private maintenance easement for portions of the private road and a no-build easement that would be nearest to the field um, to prevent there from being future building on that site. That is a easement that would last... Oh, and a private easement for storm sewer lateral purposes. That's an easement that would last until the building is no longer at that location. The second easement is a deed of temporary construction easements. This would be easements that are in place until the building there is installed. Any questions about either of those deeds of easements?
0: Okay, looks like we don't have any questions. So if I could have someone read the motion word 8.02. Yes, Dr. Ortiz
6: that the school board authorize the school board chair to sign the deed of temporary construction easements and the deed of easement and agreement between the Falls Church City School Board and Converge West Falls, LLC, as presented, subject to changes approved by the superintendent that do not materially adversely affect the school board's position.
0: Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. May I have a second? Thank you, Dr. Anderson. All those in favor say yes. Yes. All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion carries. We're now at 9.01, future agenda items. Would anyone like to suggest any future agenda items? Oh, yes, Dr.
7: Anderson. I just have a quick question on uh, the schedule for the um, uh, town halls that we're holding for uh, the half-day Wednesdays and things. How is that going?
0: Yeah, so um, we um, have, uh, thank you, Ms. Goodell. Ms. Goodell has been working with the uh, schools to set up uh, school-based town halls. And so uh, I'm, uh, Dr. Gould is going to get back to me um, if those dates work for him, and then I'll send it out to everyone. So uh, what we're um, envisioning is one, meeting at the secondary uh, school to talk about start times, and then one at each of the elementary schools to talk about early release. Um, And that would be during the school day, because that's obviously for staff. For parents, um, I've also sent some dates to Dr. Gould, who's going to get back to me on those. So we're we're looking at doing um, one weekday evening for the secondary uh, parents to talk about start times. And then we were going to do one um, weekday evening a community forum for elementary parents and then also one weekend um, forum for elementary parents who if they can't make an evening. So um so so those are you should I think momentarily not momentarily in the next day or two get the dates.
4: Yes, and I don't know if we want to coordinate with our student rep on any kind of student conversations about either of these topics we might want to coordinate yep, with. That's a, okay. that's a great idea. Okay. Be in touch.
0: It's a great idea. Okay, and then I also have um, on my to-do list, I'll be um, working to update the website so that we have sort of one page where people can click on and we'll have links to all the different conversations and the information about the different co- uh, community forums and that. Mm-hmm. Anyone else? Okay, and then also, um, Dr. Anderson, once we get that all settled, then I'm gonna work with um, Dr. Noonan and Mr. Brett and Chrissy to get it in morning announcements. Because I think some people may not even be aware this is happening, so I wanna make sure we have our dates ready for the community forums and then sort of pack, get that PR out. So, okay, Uh, we are now at uh, 10.01, Superintendent's Report, and I'll turn it over to Dr.
5: Thank you Chair Downs, so the first is uh, as you may remember from last year, or earlier this year, um, we did start organizing the superintendent comments in our uh, strategic plan sort of buckets, and the first is in wellness, equity, and belonging. Um, And I just wanted to let everybody know that this is the first year that we will, as a school division, be following um, the new calendar regulation that was developed as an outgrowth of the calendar policy that you adopted last year, which really puts in play um, some protections uh, around work, uh, workload, Um, new assignments, things like that that come out for our students. So September 15th is um, Rosh Hashanah begins and Yom Kippur starts on Uh, September 25th. And so it's important that our staff and our community are really aware of this regulation. I won't read the entire regulation to you, but um, just in terms of big broad strokes, in terms of sections, the first section is that all of our students will, on these days, be engaged in really meaningful, rigorous work, um, but ensure um, that there are a couple things that we try to avoid as best as practicable. So for example, tests, quizzes, other assignments, field trips, school pictures, guest speakers, assemblies, sports um, events unless it's required by the Virginia High School League, auditions, tryouts, things like that. Um, So we are in the midst of of working through that right now um, with our staff and we have briefed uh, our principals because ultimately the principals will need to sign off that um, these days um, that you all have identified as the school board as those that need to be protected as part of CCR uh, or a policy CC um, are taken care of. Um, The second wellness, equity, and belonging actually goes to real wellness, and that is if you're sick, stay home. I just want to remind everybody there is an uptake in, in illness, including COVID. Um, and staff and students who do test positive for COVID-19 should follow the directions from the school and public health nurse, health nurse, which does mean staying home for five days. Um, secondary students who miss class because of illness can use Schoology to keep up with their work and their assignments, and the teachers will update them regular update that those sites regularly. Uh, when elementary students miss uh, school due to illness, parents can contact the teachers uh, for their assignments. And and, um, I just want to make sure that everybody understands uh, that there is a way to keep up. Um, the second is bike walk Actually, it's Walk, Bike, and Roll to School Day um, is coming up October 4th, another wellness activity. Um, we hope to see lots of students and families walking, biking, and rolling through our little city. The Health and Wellness Committee um, is working with the PTAs, Boosters, and Bike Falls Church to develop a fun and safe community event. If anyone's interested in helping out, if you want to contact Cindy Bolin uh, from the Health and Wellness Committee, um, or Andrew Olson, Olson uh, from the Bike Falls Church, um, we'd welcome that. Um, the next big bucket is IB infused teaching and learning and this, this is we'd like to recognize a few students um, that were recently um, recognized by the college board who earned um, the, a national recognition. So the first is Alisio Amanpour, um, won the National Hispanic Recognition Award Bethany Michael won the National African American Recognition Award. Jack Fries won the National Hispanic Recognition Award. And Mateo Rathio um, was the nation- also won the National Hispanic Re- Recognition Award. So congratulations to all of them for their incredible work. Um, September 23rd is band day, band tag day. Um, so be ready for that. Um, our, our teams are gonna be out and about knocking on doors for tag day asking for contributions in exchange for some beautiful music uh, played at your door in your street. I'm hoping that we'll find a trombone uh, or a trumpet in the in the group um, that might be on Tollgate Way looking for money um, on the 23rd. Um, next big bucket is investing in our people. Um, our tuition waiver program uh, is continuing. Um, last year we launched it with the Northern Virginia Community College uh, and Empowering English Center. And the update and process so far has been very positive and very powerful. We have nine employees who are participating. Six are taking English classes and three are taking content uh, classes that are going to lead to certification and a degree program. Um, and the program has always already shown that it's been life-changing for some of our staff. So we're excited to grow some of our own teachers here in the City of Falls Church. Um, the next big bucket is communication and engagement. And as I think everybody knows, this is the 75th anniversary of Falls Church City Public Schools uh, and Falls Church City. Uh, And our theme for this year is FCCPS is changing lives since 1949. Uh, And we've used Margaret Mead's quote of never doubt that a small committed group of citizens can change the world. Indeed, it's the only thing that ever has. Um, And to help us celebrate that, if you have stories or if you are interested in sharing an experience or a snippet about FCCPS, and our history and how perhaps it it helped you along, um, we would we would welcome that. So please reach out to Mary Beth Connolly uh, for that. Uh, another engagement activity that's coming up that we're really excited about. You all have been talking about tonight, and that is the run for the schools uh, on September 24th. Uh, we hope that everyone will register for our annual 5K run walk and the 1K for kids and maybe some adults. Um, there's, it's a really great way for all of us to get together in the community, and we expect about a 1,000 people um, to participate. And the last uh, community engagement activity is uh, the Little City Scramble that's being put on uh, in combination with the Mass- Mustang Athletic Boosters and the Falls Church Ed Foundation on October 4th. And if anyone is interested in participating in that, um, please please come and feel free. That would be great. So that's it for me. Thank you. Well, you
0: took half of my Ed Foundation report, Dr. Noonan. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, but I did actually, in all seriousness, wanted to ask you, you know, I, I saw that just today. Everything's been signed off with the COVID boosters from CDC and FDA and all that. Um, would it be possible um, to get something out, um, you know, in the next couple of days via morning announcements just sort of to, you know, provide that information. I, I think that the latest information was that it's being recommended for kids six and up. So, you know, just putting that out there may be a slight encouragement to sure. to get people, to, get, to have everyone get their kids vaccinated.
5: I'm sure we could do that.
0: Okay. Thank you. Absolutely. Any questions or comments for Dr. Noonan on his report? Okay. Thank you, Dr. Noonan. Okay. We're at 11.01 school board uh, and student liaison comments. Mr. Lewin, did you have any... Updates for us this evening?
16: Um, Yeah, I have a few school community updates. So first, um, the girls' field hockey team is crushing it right now with an incredible number of wins this season, as well as the girls' volleyball team. They're on a winning streak right now, which is very exciting. They're on the come up. Um, As for welcoming new students, uh, the Mustang Ambassadors Club are providing all of the new student tours and has been consistently um, since the beginning of the year, which um, I have been very glad to witness and see that sense of togetherness and welcoming and community within the school. Um, This coming um, week, the IB Environmental Systems and Societies classes are headed on a field trip to Mason Neck in order to um, better the perspective of the class's current study on water. Um, and also, the fall musical Ruthless um, has its production in full swing right now um, with Mr. Northrup at its helm, um, so make sure to go see that um, in the coming weeks when it is um, playing. Um, additionally, the Our Minds Matter Club is to put on an event spreading awareness for mental health struggles during um, National Suicide Prevention Month, um, which is very exciting. Um, and. Students are also adjusting to the new structured Mustang blocks um, and adjusting to new routines as a collective. And lastly, it is this college application season, so seniors early decision and early action deadlines are approaching. And you know everyone is scrambling to get those in. But um, all in all, it's just very um, exciting times. And yeah, lots going on. Great. Thank you. I know you're one of those people that's getting their applications in, right? Yes.
0: <laughs> we have our fingers here. We know you're going to do great things. Any questions for Mr. Lewin? Okay. Thank you so much. Uh, I'll start with Ms. Tice. Do you have any updates? I know a lot of the committees haven't met yet for the school year or so. Uh, correct. My first meeting is tomorrow. Okay. So I'll have lots to share next time. Great. Thank you.
7: Both my committees are on top of things because they both met last night. So, oh. um but so the uh, daycare advisory board committee uh, meeting met last night, uh, and we got an update from uh, Ms. Kayla at uh, Mount Daniel, and they are looking to uh, do their uh, do start doing a seasonal talent show. Uh, and so the Mount Daniel one is scheduled for I think it's November ninth. Um, and so if you have kids there, um, go watch them. I think the, uh, I heard the last one was fantastic. Um, the enrollment at both Mount Daniel and at Oak Street for the aftercare is up to higher than pre-COVID levels, so I think it's 164 uh, students at Mount Daniel and 114 students at Oak Street, and so there are a lot of kids uh, in the aftercare program, so it's a uh, has a has 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 a lot of uh, uh, fans in Falls Church. Um, ban, the band boosters also met last night. Uh, they discussed uh, how lessons were starting, and so that was an exciting time for everybody. Uh, the uh, instrument uh, petting zoo at Oak Street was a success. Um, they also discussed some of the issues around uh, just kind of keeping tabs on uh, on on the funds and kind of trying to figure out how to ease the burden on uh, the. Uh, 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 volunteers who do that. And so they're looking at different uh, accounting software and, and uh, trying to potentially change uh, payment vendors uh, for lower fees.
0: Great. Thank you so much, Dr. Anderson. Uh, yeah, as I mentioned, Dr. New and I attended the Falls Church Education Foundation meeting last night. Uh, they uh, have the uh, teacher grant deadlines are coming up October 7th. Uh, they're also undergoing an audit, a financial audit, um, as per their bylaws. Uh, something real exciting is um, they participated in the roundup at, with giant um, grocery stores, and they um, uh, were presented with a check for $17,000, and that's going to be going to the Family Assistance Fund, and that's a fund that um, supports our um, financially uh, at-risk families. So that was great news. Uh, as Dr. Nina mentioned uh, September 24th is run for the schools. October 4th is a little city scramble. And then the last um, note I'll make is that um, Debbie Hiscock, the executive director, um, has stepped down. She's um, She has a new job, a new full-time job with a local, actually I don't know if it's local, but with a nonprofit. So um, I believe that the board uh, right now is looking, is determining next steps to find her replacement. So that's it for me, Vice Chair Gould. There'll
4: be big shoes to fill yes. for Mrs. Scott. Yes, uh, actually,
0: thank you for. I, I should thank you for saying that. I should not. I, yeah, I was. I was. Remiss of not saying that that we do a, a great you know debt of gratitude to Miss um, Hiscock because she's been in that role for 10 years, and she's really brought. I remember that Education Foundation pre Debbie Hiscock, and um, she really has brought it into become a powerhouse of fundraising for our school system. So we thank you for for knowing that that will be very big shoes uh, to fill, and you know just to publicly thank her for all of her work on behalf of our school. She's had three girls who have gone through the system, but I know, you know, you walk around um, throughout the system and and you see physical, you know, different pieces of equipment in Kenny George's room, what have you, that these things were all funded by the Education Foundation. So uh, we're really grateful for her leadership. Now I will turn it over to you.
4: All right, Uh, so we have office hours starting back up. Uh, Chair Downs and I will start uh, Tuesday. At Quatuskrill, we're going to start that up. So uh, that's been that was announced today. Um, The middle school PTA has not started up. I did have a chamber meeting this morning, which went well. Um, They took the August off, and then also um, the school board member Tice and I attended the advisory chair orientation, which is a great opportunity for us to orient uh, our uh, new chairs or existing chairs. Dr. Noonan did an excellent job of. Uh, teaching and, and reminding everyone about the partnership that exists with our committees um, and did a great job, even though Miss Minson was not there, to make sure that we are compliant with all our regulations. So as always, it was a good good kickoff and reminder of our good partnership with our parents.
6: So. Hi. Uh, no updates from me.
1: Thank you, Dr. Ortiz. Ms. My first meeting is Thursday.
0: Okay, great. Thank you, everyone. We're going to move on to 12.01 approval of minutes of September 27, 2022. And I know Ms. Goodell sent those out. So I'd like to ask for unanimous consent that the school board approve the minutes. And seeing no objections, the minutes uh, from school board meeting September 27, 2022 are approved. Uh, no materials for board review, and tonight we have a rare second closed meeting that we're going to be going into. So we are at 4.14.01. if someone could read us into closed. Dr. Dimmick, I can't believe you're not here tonight. Two closed meetings. Yes, Ms. Silverman.
1: Pursuant to the Virginia Freedom of Information Act, I move that the board convene a closed meeting for the following purpose, to discuss or consider the identified subject matter, personnel under section 2.2-3711A1 in particular, performance of a specific staff member, and legal matters under section 2.2-3711A8, in particular, consultation with legal counsel employed or retained by the public body regarding specific legal matters requiring the provision of legal advice by such counsel.
0: Thank you, Ms. Silverman. May I have a second? Thank you, Dr. Anderson. All those in favor say yes. 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 All those opposed say no. Thank you. Motion and um, Dr. Noon, at this point, will we turn off the live streaming probably? Because we'll be closing off yep, the meeting. that's right. Okay, so we'll be closing off our streaming because after this closed meeting we'll just um, be adjourning. So um, that's it. Thank you for those who are watching this evening. And uh, for the rest of us, we'll go into closed.